the body, connective tissues bind structures together, form a framework and support for organs and the body as a whole. Every closed system has connective tissue, the human body, the biosphere, and the open marketplace alike. The Connective Tissue Podcast is an attempt to connect the philosophies, experts, and opinions that comprehensively encompass the five compounding Fs of life, fact, finance, fitness, family, and freedom. Together, we represent the connective tissues of life. Our intention is for you to use the information provided to contrast against your own walk of life to maximize every avenue of success, peace, and prosperity. No matter how you view it, movement is life. Remember, it's not like magic. It is magic. Eternally rhetorical. How do you move? I'm your co-host, Philip A. Croshan. And I'm your co-host, Garrett G. Mezzanotto. And together, we are the Connective Tissue Podcast. Welcome back, G. Welcome back. Pete. I'm your co-host, Philip A. Croshan. And your co-host, Garrett G. Mezzanotto. I've never asked you. Does, does it bother you that I call you G? No. Oh, okay. I call you so many different things. Yeah. I mean, you said P. A lot of people... You know, P. Crow was the thing coming up, so I didn't know if it was, uh, it stood out, but welcome back, man. How you feeling? Likewise, I'm good, brother. How are you? I am doing pretty well, actually. Um, thank you for the listeners and the viewership. Um, today, we're going to talk about developing a relationship with pain. Now, um, pain can be something that we look at just as a localized sensation right but mm-hmm. um oftentimes i can definitely tell you in my life that i have used pain whether it be for benefit or not um, i've used pain to create progression to, or at least to create something right um do you have any do you have any um stories testimonies that can speak to um, your utilization of pain or, or at least your experience with pain yeah, I mean, several throughout our lives. I mean, you're going to be 30 this year, and we'll be tw- I'll be 30 in a couple months as well. Yeah. Um, you know, they say pain is weakness, uh, weakness leaving the body, leaving right? Leaving the body. I think that's a, uh, is that an army thing? I really don't know, like probably some Jocko Willing Thomas type of thing. Could be. Shout out Jocko. I've actually trained to his gym several times. Um, but I, I think that's attributed to some branch of the military pain is we just live in the, leaving the body and he's he's a uh, marine i think he was a marine correct yeah. um yeah pain weakness leaving the body i don't i don't think that's the case mm. i think pain is more of a, a wake-up call okay i think pain is telling our body something something's wrong something's up an alert system yes it's it's literally a fire alarm of the body in my opinion clinically it is definitely defined as an alert system pain at the base is sensation Mm -hmm. and it is making you aware to something some type of change or shift in the homeostatic balance yeah and i've I've had uh several injuries in the past like they started as like ankle sprains and things like that in sports man I, i couldn't count how many ankle sprains i've had in my life same uh most of the time happening in football but happened in basketball as well coming down for a rebound laying on the side of your foot mm-hmm. you know you're out for a game or so it, it's not fun I, I know you played several sports i'm mm-hmm. sorry to, to kind of sidetrack but i know you mostly guys this ba quarterback but you were a big ba- basketball player too played basketball played baseball played soccer uh 
And I know you, you were a beast at other sports more other than football as well, and now you're currently a fighter. I am, bro. So, uh, yeah. what what can uh, fighting tell you? Because I know fighting's got to be the most painful sport there is. I know football hurts, you get tackled, mm. but, you know, you have pads, you can get up. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball, I mean, I've been beaten by, you know, 90-mile-an-hour fastballs in, in the arm. Uh, the leg. I've taken. I used to take pitches. You know, I got kicked out of a game for taking a pitch one time in in uh, ninth grade. Weird. I like. Super. I I leaned into it. Um, guy wasn't throwing that hard, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then I beaned him on accident the next, the next uh, inning. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't really make sense, but I got kicked out for that okay. because it's a retaliation. Baseball was actually my number one sport before really? football. Baseball was my number one sport. I just. I uh, I was better at it. I liked Same. it, but I liked playing football more. And I think I had more of a an opportunity to go pro in football and get mm-hmm. a get a scholarship and go pro. Similar with me, I was a prodigy at uh, baseball. Uh, all of my brothers were, to be honest. But um, where I was in Hoover, Alabama, I mean Hoover High School football was as big as you just considered Hoover like the number four college in the area you got university of alabama uh, auburn university troy university and then there's hoover it's like that they even called hoover hoover you so <laughs> by the time i got introduced to that environment um it was a way to make it out um, but fighting um i use pain and fighting as a litmus so i'll give you a, a good example good story um Last episode, I think I was trying to say crew. I was the guy who got me into Muay Thai. Um, that is like the most respectful term of like a master in the sport. Um, so my crew, uh, Marcus Moshigi, he introduced me and the rest of the guys to um, another um, gym, Pacific Roots Muay Thai where the crew is uh, Sean. I'm blanking on Sean's last name right now, but um, great guy. I mean, you wouldn't want to try him, but super humble. But anywho, I was in there training with them with their um, their competitive class for the first time. And um, I had shin guards on and everything, just like everyone else. And I actually, I went to kick someone in the leg and they went to kick back. We clashed shins, and I blew my shin out. And that pain lasted for about two and a half to three weeks. But what I found out about that pain was I was um, conditioning my legs. And this didn't come from anyone telling me this. I understood it through the different phases of wound healing that uh, I was able to take more on. What happened was... The pain was awareness. It was a hyper awareness to some sort of uh, weakness or structural um, lack of integrity within my uh, anterior tibialis, that entire anterior tibialis compartment. Um, And uh, as as I was walking day to day, where it, it started off as being super painful. It actually, I gained more awareness of the muscles there. Of the anterior tibialis. Of the anterior tibialis, and I was able to contract them stronger, harder, and 
going forward, when I start delivering cakes, I was actually able to create this tension in that muscle group and I, I inflicted damage. And now one of my biggest weapons when it comes to mixed martial arts to Muay Thai is my ability to kick. I mean, my, my shins, I, I take someone off their feet, one kick, no jokes. It's like that. Okay, so yeah. you, you use the pain as a, as a way to de develop more uh, awareness and muscle recruitment to have a stronger, better, more uh, damaging kick. Yeah. I like it. I yep. like it. I think I did the same thing or something at least very similar um, when I tore my LCL and my meniscus in my right knee. So when I was a 17 senior year uh, quarterback, I was an all-empire quarterback one year, my senior year. Yeah. Other than that, I never made all-empire in football. And, and baseball, it was all-empire as a sophomore, as a junior, and then I didn't get to play my senior year due to the injury. Yeah. Uh, basketball wasn't as good, never made it. Okay. Soccer neither. Um, so I tore my LCL career-ending injury that's why I didn't play college ball that's why I feel like I didn't obviously make it to the next level um, I had the opportunity to go to a junior college and I decided not to play decided to start my my career um, I truly believe things happen for a reason but what that pain did is it, it gave me motivation and it made me want to become first I wanted to become an orthopedic surgeon because I liked my surgeon so mm -hmm. much but then I didn't like him thought he wasn't such a good guy because he said look you're never gonna be able to run Again, you're never going to be able to squat. Yeah. You're never going to be able to, to deadlift, quad extension, uh, sprint, jump, cut, none of that stuff. And now you got bigger legs than any guy I know. <laughs> got, I'm, my legs are stronger, especially this one, because I became hyper aware. He told me oh, I shouldn't work out for years. I actually started working out six months after. I know NFL athletes, pro athletes are playing within six months, running, cutting, yeah. training again. So I was like... Which they also have... Um, a certain allotment of how do I say this they have readily accessible practitioners at their disposal not just practitioners but they're allowed levels of hormonal treatments to promote the recovery of injury there's a safe range Okay. Yeah, and baseball is one, it's one of the greatest ranges. No, actually, NBA. NBA. NBA has the, the largest range of usage of hormone therapy. Well, I guess because they're not really using it to inflict damage. For sure, no, it's the greatest yeah. thing for recovery, but um, they have the greatest ranges to promote healing and recovery. So the revascularization of the ligaments and tendons and all that stuff. Yeah. Helps with that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Didn't know that. Yeah. You learned something every day. Yeah, they can use a lot. A okay. lot of stuff. So yeah, I so what I did, I utilized uh, that injury to redevelop my quads, redevelop my calf, my anterior tibialis, my hamstrings, my glutes even. Um, and I use it as motivation to become something and someone. Because mm -hmm. I, I thought always, growing up, I thought I was going to make it to the league. I swear to God. So you shifted now from physiological pain to mental. Mental pain and motivation, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because it, it led to depression. Yeah. So a, a lot of people probably that know me now probably, I don't talk about it too often because it it's not something I'm proud of. But I, I went from that injury to not being able to work out because I was a, I was a four-sport standout athlete. I wasn't able to play basketball, baseball, and soccer the rest of the year mm -hmm. due to the injury. 
and I had doctors yanking my chain. My actually the my uh, primary physician. I went to him the next Monday. Put me in a cast. For how long? Two weeks. And then Immediately. I got, then I got to got get an MRI two weeks later, and then I got to finally go get referred to go see my orthopedic surgeon a month after the injury. Did you have a break? I didn't have a break. There was no bone damage. It was straight li- ligaments. Uh, mm. So ligament and meniscal. And uh, he was like, he was pissed. He said, what the fuck? Why would this idiot put you in a cast? I would have asked the same thing. I Same thing. I now, going, looking back now, he was an idiot. And I, <laughs> he was an idiot, I swear to God. I lost every ounce of muscle tissue. Sure. Ligaments, Complete atrophy. They're poorly vascularized. They take forever to heal. So I got that injury. Um, got surgery a month and a half later. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was like, yeah, you can't work out, can't do anything. Because know. you had weakened the connective tissue there so much mm-hmm. that now you actually couldn't do it. He actually put me on uh, a month of physical therapy and a month of, of walking in a brace with a fixed, like, 90-degree range of motion. Yeah. Just to redevelop the, the muscles and to redevelop my range of motion because I didn't have any range of motion. I couldn't move it. It was stuck in that position. Mm-hmm. So I was like, damn, like, I'm really screwed. He's like, yeah, you have a, you'll have to get a knee replacement, but like 35 latest. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing that, man. I'm going to take care of myself. You feel like you, you're on the, on the brink of knee oh, replacement? I ain't never going to need that. My <laughs> good knee hurts worse most of the time. Yeah. Um, this knee doesn't bother me anymore. At least they, they did a good job at the reconstruction. They didn't, though. That's the thing. It stretched out. I, it still gives out on me laterally all the really? time. All the time. So the only thing that I could do about that is, one, getting another surgery, which I'm not about to do. Yeah. I strengthen up these muscles. And this leg, it's been 11 years almost, still about an inch in diameter smaller, my calf, as well as my, my really? like what, even my right glute, smaller than my left glute. I mean, um, bro, you, I've seen you squat, I've defined. seen you deadlift, you, you lift a lot of weight. It's, I, I, I've put myself through the ringer, you know, I used that pain and it hurt. Yeah, put, putting my body through the full range of motion when I didn't have the range of motion, breaking mm-hmm. down that scar tissue, mm. it, it hurt. This, they, well, they straight cut through my IT band to get to it. So I have all kinds of scar tissue developed here. Yeah. You know, my knee hurts when it's cold or when it starts to rain and stuff like that but yeah. when i'm putting it through work that's when it feels the best like today was the day I, we hit some hack squats we hit some squats i did some 315 pause squats for like eight reps 10 yeah. reps felt good doesn't bother me but i noticed along the kinetic chain somewhere like you know i started feeling hip pain and i started feeling back mm-hmm. pain in certain places so then i went back to training my body not um proportionally because i'm not proportional us as humans, you're never going to be symmetrical, right? We're yeah. asymmetric. Well, you can get close. Uh, I don't think you can get perfect. We're supposed to be symmetrical. Mm. We, we're we made symmetrical. So what about our heart being on this side, liver being on this side type of deal? Oh, you're one of those guys. I'm one of those guys. Well, actually, if you look at the position of your heart, it's really more centered. However, the myocardium, the thickness is more so on the left side of the heart. I told you. So, you know, we, we are pretty symmetrical beings, you know. Um, and in fact, I love to give the, the visual that balance and symmetry are um, creatures of the same virtue. 
Okay. And if you look at sports like bodybuilding. You want to be symmetrical. You want to look Obviously, symmetrical. that's the goal. You right. Know? And that's why you, you do unilateral movements and bilateral movements as yeah. well. Um, I found that when I got into bodybuilding, I needed to leave the bench press, which is, this is one of the reasons why I got away from the bench press probably like six, seven years ago, mm-hmm. is because I was into the sport of bodybuilding, and uh, I started doing more dumbbell presses and stuff. Like, what did that do for you? <clears throat> well, I felt when I was doing bench press, I would overcompensate with my dominant hand, and I would see the bar path going yeah. in non-symmetrical, non-symmetrical pattern. I mean, that's common in a lot of people just because the awareness is there, you know? So I found myself gaining muscle imbalances and, and weaknesses, you know, and stability problems in my shoulder. So that's why I got away from it. So most recently, starting to train with you, I started getting back into doing bench press, which hurts my wrist because I do, I fractured my wrist uh, during COVID. Mm-hmm. I got into dirt biking, yeah. fractured my wrist. And that gave me hyper awareness to this arm, which is why I feel like this arm is so much more vascular than this one. It's, it's that arm is pretty vascular, in fact, to this one. looking at it. But that's that doesn't mean that you've created muscular imbalances. I mean, it could. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But, the pain from my wrist, Yeah, you got me back into... That's what pushed me away from right. doing pressing movements with a bar. Right. I was stuck to machines and dumbbells, and right. I feel like I hit that plateau. Training with you for the last couple of months got me back into bench press. I've been able to move more weight than I've been able to move in my life. Yeah. And it's because I feel like I have more hyper-awareness of my flexors and extensors, mm-hmm. and as well as my upper back, because we've been training our backs more frequently oh, yeah. because that's our weakness. Yeah. And we train our backs four or five times a week, but we only train our pre- uh, pressing movements, our chest and our shoulders and stuff, maybe like twice. Yeah, because I mean, I, I told you, I, I had pain in my shoulder, which is why I moved away from bench press for years um, into the point where uh, one of my partners, he called me shouldery chest. Shouldery chest. Shouldery chest. <laughs> it was a joke, right? Oh, um, I don't know. You're pretty chesty, shouldery now. Well, now I am, but before, my shoulders really kind of took over for everything. And that's when I started really working my back more than anything so that rather than doing a chest movement for bench press, it was a anterior thoracic cavity dominant movement. Um, but very similar to what a um, like a a rhomboid row would be because it become a posterior thoracic cavity movement would be but they're both involved in the process eccentrically and concentrically you know so what that shoulder pain did was was make you focus on developing the muscles on the back half that we're going to create that shoulder shoulder stability to prevent having that internal rotation of that shoulder joint while yeah, pressing. That's a pretty, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty accurate on how I would describe it. The pain became a hyper awareness to the compensation that was happening here where I was not using my chest as You're a part of the front conventional bench press movement. I was using the anterior delts. So, what happened is I shortened the anterior delt muscles so much that now they were being overworked and they were leading to an injury where I needed to let them calm down, relax, actually had to allow them to atrophy a bit, strengthen the muscles on the posterior side, so the rear delts, the rhomboids, some of the lower traps, so I can really open up my posture. And then when I went back to doing bench press movements, I was able to coordinate 
the anterior and posterior muscle groups. And that's basically what you've taught me to do. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of people, in my opinion, you should be able to do a bent over row, same amount of weight as you should be able to bench press. That's a good rule of thumb. I would yeah, say right? so. Yeah. If you can't bent over row 315, you got no business bench pressing 315. Something to try. Something to try. Trying is lying. <laughs> I can't say that I've um, bent over a row um, 315 or 435 for that much, but I'm going to try it. Let's try it. I definitely think you can. We'll or get it on video. Pinlay row it rather pin than bent. Pinlay row from the ground. Okay. Like yeah, we yeah. did the other day, pinlay row. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was cake, whatever yeah. we were doing. Super light. So. Yeah. We should try that. We should go heavier since we need to get. Well, it'll get those spinal erectors involved as well. It's yeah. just to work all those synergistically again. Because I mean, we just got back into deadlifting. So yeah. that's the thing about us is we work on on developing our weaknesses where we have pain, and then I feel like we get so into it that we kind of start to neglect the areas that we are strong. Well, is is it a neglect thing? I mean, it's, it's, the, the body wants to use the least amount of energy to do any one job so that's efficiency right we go in we train we go directly towards our muscular imbalances and i think it's necessary it's it's no point of trying to train evenly when your functionality is not evenly distributed which i think is an important reason to make sure you're developing a pain philosophy i mean if you are out there and you're training and pain has stopped you from doing something, right? Or, or, or it is something that you consider before going into it. Ask yourself, what is your relationship with pain? What are you doing with the information that your body's telling you? Your body's giving you information. So what are you doing with that information? The body wants to help you, right? So what would you recommend somebody does if they're in pain? Let's Go say to it. my Go shoulder to it. hurts. Go to it. Okay. How'd you, how'd you hurt it? I was... Uh, Reaching uh, for some cereal in, on the top shelf, and, and somehow my shoulder hurts. All right, so you were reaching <laughs> for cereal. You were creating some sort of horizontal adduction and humeral flexion, right? Mm -hmm. And you were doing it while your body, you, you really challenged the degrees of freedom while you were doing it. I say cut back on the degrees of freedom so maybe you were on one leg and you were reaching or your eyes were closed some something that changes the degrees of freedom right go back to that movement and reduce the amount of degrees of freedom and find out when you are challenged the most once you figure that out you got to breathe through the movement no weight nothing and if, if it's too much to go back to the to the way that you were doing it exactly, let's say you were flat-footed, right? Your eyes wasn't closed, you wasn't on one foot. Then maybe we we change a, f a few things like, are we perpendicularly uh, intersected with the force due to gravity? So if you're standing on your feet, gravity's hitting you almost at 90 degrees. Maybe we lay you in supine on your back. And now we work that same uh, range of motion at the joint, but now you're not working against the force due to gravity. Go to the movement, though. You got to troubleshoot what's going on. Once you're able to troubleshoot it and figure out where exactly the injury is occurring, you got to create the most amount of length at the joint, or at least the, you got to decompress the joint, which is going to create length within the muscle tissues. And then you got to actually just work on innervating those muscle fibers. 
That is what I would say. Go to it. Don't run from it. So what if I have no knowledge of the body, no knowledge of exercise science, no knowledge Seek of kinesiology? Who would I go to? You should come to me. Oh. <laughs> no, really. I mean, there, there are practitioners out there. I mean, you can go to a corrective exercise specialist. You can go to a performance specialist. You can go to a physical therapist. Uh, and there's no guarantee that any of those practitioners are going to know what they're doing because where we are in the field and in the industry, you know, um, some places are better than others. Um, but I would definitely seek someone out that it, that has some type of competency in anatomical functionality, biomechanics. I definitely think so. I think us working synergistically, we could take on just about anyone. Oh, Un- yeah. Unless it's a severe case, then we refer out to our network of doctors. Mm-hmm. But I think we could take on anyone, you being an exercise physiologist and, ex- and a physical therapist and me being a performance, nutrition, and corrective exercise specialist. We can take on anybody. Yeah, I mean, honestly, most things are musculoskeletal first. The This universe makes it easy for us to be able to um, fall into our preventative measures before it becomes something surgical, and there is a place for surgical. Greek cook has a uh, pretty good rule of thumb. Um, until there is inflammation, um, it's a musculoskeletal issue. By the time there's inflammation, it's a biochemical issue, and then you need to consider referring out. Definitely, I, I mean, I would, I wish I would have got to see my orthopedic surgeon right away. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was a pro athlete, I would have. Uh, you know, there's, I've had so many injuries: ankle injuries, knee injuries, wrist injuries, back injuries, and I know you've had injuries as well. Um, what has the pain taught you the most? Well, I think first it is important to define pain. Um, pain is only pain until you understand what it is communicating to you at the base. It is just sensation, sensation awareness. So once you can understand what pain is communicating to you, then it's just information and that information has the ability to change you. So if it's a sharp pain, let's say I move my finger at all and it is super sharp and it and it sends, um, it sends pains up, up my arm, you know, I'm, I'm probably dealing with some type of fraction. I don't need to move it. But anything less than that is telling me that there is a perturbation somewhere along the neuromusculoskeletal pathway, and I need to first troubleshoot it and then go to it and begin to rehabilitate it. So pain has just taught me that something is off and I need to do something about it. And the best... The best chiropractor is gravity. The best physical therapist is traction. The best physical therapist is traction. Yeah, I mean, I think just a lot of people don't have the awareness of their body, so they they, they accept the pain and they just say, I'm going to tolerate it. You can only tolerate pain so long. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes chronic pain. And then they go to a doctor and say, I'm having this chronic back pain. Doctors are going to prescribe pharmaceuticals, which mm-hmm. are just going to be a band-aid. At least, I mean, but that's what MDs are taught to do. We yeah. can't blame the MDs for that. Thankfully, we have this this huge influx of DOs that have become, uh, that well, people have taken the interest in the osteopathic uh, approaches towards medicine, and they have the ability to 
uh, write prescriptions, but they would take a whole person approach first, you know, looking at the body joint by joint, seeing what is what what one component is causing an imbalance within the whole comprehensive system before creating some other extreme imbalance hormonally, you know. Um, Which is what we're practicing. We want yeah. we take a more whole person healthcare approach. If if you're unhealthy and you're gonna die, <laughs> we're gonna refer <laughs> out. We're gonna send you to see a doctor, get the meds that you need, get surgery if you need it. We're not gonna give you something that you don't need or tell you we can fix something we can't fix. Yeah. That's the thing about us. We're gonna prevent uh, the pharmaceuticals and the surgery and the medical intervention intervention uh, as long as we can and uh, try to fix you as much as we can until yeah. that is necessary. If that's necessary, we're not going to lie to but you. But see, I love that part. It's great. I, I love the, the search Me too. For, you know, for the solution. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm grateful to have studied uh, at A.T. Steele University, the founding institution of osteopathic medicine and their uh, graduate health sciences program, um, you know, really finding, being able to track back the pathophysiology of what is going on, that search and destroy type of mentality. That's, that's what everything. I like. I like that too. You know? I, I like taking up a, a client that, you know, oh, my feet are hurting, my back's hurting, my, my shoulder's hurting, I can't I can't do anything at the gym. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's go ahead and, and work on you. Let's reset you. Mm-hmm. Let's reload you. Let's re well, let's reinforce you, and then we'll reload you. Yeah. And start building that muscle again. Yeah. But sometimes you have to lay back. You don't need to train for, for a couple of weeks, and we fix you and reset your body, allow it to heal, mm-hmm. and then we teach you those proper movement patterns because you're, most people that I see that we see in the gym – have improper movement patterns yeah. and, and they're not functional. Um, they're going to lead to an injury. So we reset them, we reinforce them with corrective, and then we reload them with performance or functional training once they're ready. And so that's what's different about our model. Most people aren't doing that, and, and that's what makes us different. So we address your pain. We don't. We do not ignore it. We do not mask it. We do not cover it up. Mm-hmm. We then teach you to that pain is teaching you where you need to work on we teach you what muscles that need to need to be worked on we work those muscles in a passive and an aggressive way Um, we run to the area and then once that area is fixed we can go ahead and and do the the aesthetic portion of it Mm -hmm. you know and that's what i love about our model we we address the pain we don't just mask it Mm -hmm. are you are you concerned at all that as, don't get me wrong, we, the industry is taking strides, you know, where, yes, this is the approach we take. We take a whole person approach, but we're not the only ones, you know. Um, is your concern is that there is a um, too much of a limitation uh, uh, of people or there's not enough people who are, are taking that approach? Is that is that kind of what I'm picking up? Yeah, I think not enough people are taking that approach, which is, is why we're doing it. Right? Mm-hmm. I noticed that problem that people would come to us uh, for problems with pain, but at a, at a big box gym that I previously worked at, we, weren't, we didn't have the competency to address their issues. But and do some- you think that it is the 
professional responsibility at a gym to no. provide that level of competency and or awareness? Or do you no. think that it's more important to actually direct people towards some type of performance group or orthopedic group or physical therapist group? I think that is, is the way we should go, but we're not taught it at big box gyms. Mm. So big people, I mean, there's there's going to be trainers that say, oh, I can do some physical therapy type stuff or some corrective type stuff. Yeah, I mean, but they don't some know. Some body work, but they don't know, which is a red flag, right? Good service, um, fixing your issues is going to either be paid cash at a, at a top rate or it's going to be paid by insurance, one of those two. I mean, ethically, it is important for trainers to also know what their scope of practice is and if they operate outside of their practice i mean outside of the scope of practice i've seen or reviewed cases where not only trainers but big box gyms chain brands they they get sued for hundreds of millions because some trainer gave someone some advice to take a supplement that they had they had no right to or they had no business giving them nutritional advice and the person has some type of contraindication to that supplement and cause heart problems and the client ended up dying or having chronic issues and they were the proximal cause to the issue. Um, so, you know, it happens, but the, the system is set up to keep that from happening or at least it there are punishments. It's just like the FDA doesn't, regulate dietary supplements until something happens until someone dies then it's an issue you know mm -hmm. but you can put anything you can put anything on the shelves you know and people can take it so you know there's too many trainers there's so many trainers out here that they can say anything but until there's a problem you might not actually hear about the information so it is it is the due diligence of the professional to figure out what is prudent in their field as opposed to the, w requiring the client or the patient to know everything that that is necessary but we are here to be that voice of reason as well to just give people information you know where should they find help look for an exercise physiologist now granted most exercise physiologists are working with performance groups you know professional sports groups um at that point in time, you should start looking at the credentials of your performance and personal trainers. Um, look for those NASM and um, the uh, look for your CSCS certified trainers with the NSCA. Look for the ISSA. Look for ACE. Ace, uh, Ace is pretty good. Um, I would say Ace is Ace above is, ISSA for sure. Think so. Yeah. Um, look for your CISSN for the uh, for nutrition. You know, look for these look for these credentials because at least it lets you know that they have done some type of due diligence. They are aware that it is necessary, and there's no problem referring out at that point. But uh, the only people that should really be given nutritional prescription are registered dietitians, uh, movement prescriptions would be exercise physiologists or physical therapists, uh, pharmaceutical prescriptions would be your MDs and your DOs. Okay. So if you're in pain, go see someone that you think can fix you, which would be an exercise physiologist's first choice. I would say so if you can find him or her. That is your 
best route because I mean that's what the pros are doing and that is what these pro teams and organizations are investing in to have available to to, to their pros um, you know and there's no exercise physiologist that wouldn't work with people on a person-to-person basis you know it's just like any researcher would love for someone to to go read their research but typically it's only these huge organizations that care enough about it because they need to care about it within regulation you know so yeah if you can find the exercise physiologists out here to help fix your your movement program your motor programming yes that's where i would go asap and if you can't find it locally we also help people online oh yeah we we offer all these programs um currently you can find our programs at iamcreaturescience.com forward slash online training you can also dm us for any type of hybrid type of programs um but continue to look out for us you know we we are um, i guess this is just an appeal to the viewers um but not only in San Diego, California, I don't know how much we can speak to at this particular moment, um, but we are looking to branch out into the rest of the country with our clinical approaches, The you know, just because of the proprietary information that is protected right now. Um, but you'll be seeing brands with us, um, with us being a part of that. Um, and if nothing else, we want to be a part of the great solution um, for human movement in whole. Yeah, we all should be able to move in a in a competent position. Um, we should all be. We were all blessed with the same amount of movement competency from from eight born, from birth to death. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's so all right. We should, we should be able to move without pain. And if you have pain, that is an issue. Run to that issue. Fix the problem. Fix the pain. If you don't know how to fix it yourself, go see someone. That's the bottom line. Go see somebody before it becomes chronic. So that's physiological, right? Mm-hmm. But talk to me a bit mentally, emotionally, spiritual, and the realm of entrepreneurship, because that's a big one for me, using your pain. What does your form, I mean, what, is your, what does your pain inform you of, and how do you use it to your benefit or your detriment? Hmm. Well, I, I use uh, emotional pain and, and mental pain. Um, instead of suffering, I use it as more like fuel. So more like gas in a car. Yeah. Right. I use use that to, to light my flame and keep my flame going. Um, there's days where we work 15, 16 hours, you know sometimes more yeah you know, plus or minus entrepreneurship and you know there's there's other pain that's caused by that you know not always spending the, the time with my wife that i should be mm-hmm. um and those are those are all temporary those are not chronic those are acute types of pain yeah, like it right um all of it's temporary right but i'm, I'm so driven and so passionate um about this and, and i want to be successful so bad that i'm willing to utilize that pain as a leverage help me continuously level up and continuously work hard and continuously grind um, because I see that bigger picture. I see that light at the end of the tunnel. I see the success and the freedom there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I utilize the pain that I've endured in my past and the pain that I endure in my present as fuel to keep going. Yeah. You know? I've, I've used that pain 
by the way, G answer, brother. I love it. Um, but I can't say that pain is is what I what I go to most immediately anymore. Um, but pain has always been the conduit to my strength and my understanding. And strength is always a formidable uh, perspective and um, intervention towards trial, or at least in the face of trial. Um, I've used pain um, to take me to the greatest depths of myself. And let's just look at it in an entrepreneurial space. There are things, there are moments that, for, for me, I've, I've always been that A-plus student. You know, when it comes to understanding, I got it. I got it. In fact, I love having it. I love knowing what I'm talking about, you know. Um, but understanding or, or skills... Skills aren't aren't the only criteria to having a successful business. In fact, a lot of times it can be a very small part of it. There's a lot of people that can do what you do if they apply themselves. It doesn't mean that there's nothing special about you, but it's just the truth of the matter. You know, we are all that magical when it comes um, to it. Our potential can be just as great. Um, but the pain of not having um, the pain of, of the, the lack of fulfillment in life uh, relative to my own standard for myself led me to these lows where I have um, removed all the distraction and have tuned in to the variable volumes of silence where I hear my voice where I hear my consciousness, where I, I speak to the great divine. And in those moments, I find solutions exclusively. It's like a, a pilot light, you know, or a, um, a uh, what do you, what do you? The North Star, it if is, you will. It's just like that, where everything else is, just, is drowned. I don't see anything else but what matters most. And... Rather than me actually getting more energy or more hours in the day, I get more efficiency. I get more focus. Um, I get to put 100% of my time, focus, and effort towards the same thing, even in a greater way than I was doing before when I was already doing well. That pain, as long as you don't give up, mm-hmm. as long as you don't quit, will lead to some level of persistence and or at least that persistence will lead to some level of success you just need uh to do your due diligence have um crazy discipline uh, you need to just not sit never give up mm-hmm. if there's a will there's a way if, if you want it bad enough you can make it happen but mm-hmm. don't just quit yeah. like use that pain as fuel light that fire and yeah. keep it going keep it burning don't let anything distract you because pain is, is a distraction. Mm-hmm. It's a perturbation. E.T., Eric Thomas, I just listen to him all the time. Um, don't get me wrong when I hear him now, so I still tune in. But he said something when I was like in high school or my freshman year of college. It's like, um, don't cry to quit. 
try to keep going, get a reward out of it. It was on, I think it was on uh, Giovanni Ruffin. He's a running back at TCU. He made a video with his um, with his voiceover, and, and it was, I, I mean, that video did numbers on YouTube. This is before everyone was using it. Like he, he was one of the leaders, uh, but he said, "Don't don't cry to quit. Cry to keep going. Get a reward out of it. Pain is only temporary. It may last a day, or it may last an hour, or even a week. If you, but if if you quit." And, I, and I'm sure I'm messing this, I'm bastardizing this, but if you quit, you know, you won't see any reward, you'll stop where you are. If you keep going, however, eventually you will be successful. It was one of the most, it was one of the most profound things that I'd heard as a young adolescent walking into my young adulthood that really set the tone for where I was going. Yeah, I mean, it, it starts starts when you're young. If you play sports, it starts when you're six, seven, eight. You know, that's the whole thing. Your coaches are going to push you, especially when you're in high school football. I mean, exp- I'm sure at Hoover, uh, it was crazy. They put you crazy. through all kinds of stuff. Crazy. I mean, my coach played college ball too, so he was hard on us. I, I saw the difference, you know, and this is the difference that, that having a good coach in your life or a good trainer or a good role model or a good mentor or someone holding you accountable mm-hmm. um, is gonna needs to push you to your fullest capability um, even more so than you're that you, than you think you're capable of because this is what that pain is what makes people successful I had a coach who was a great guy but he didn't push us we didn't even do cardio a whole season it was crazy no wind sprints nothing we were still good because we were talented but we came in third place two years in a row in mm-hmm. the league the next year um, the next two years we had the same coach my new coach who was young he was a dog he's still the coach there in my high school and uh, he's one of the best coaches in the league and he took us to second place two years in a row um, but we went crazy when it came to the drills uh, the sprints at the end of practice um, off-season training and, and that's what made me a beast is what made my my uh, other football players on my team my teammates um, get better as well the ones that actually tried and put in the work but there were some that would cry start throwing up give up halfway through practice mm. I knew for a fact those people aren't gonna make it in life mm. they're gonna throw in the towel when it, the going gets tough but the people mm. that kept going for the most part are someone in life now have made something for of themselves what you're speaking about is discipline and I think it's important to note that pain is often the cost of discipline. Mm-hmm. And discipline is the most constructive form of self-love. And self-love is the epitome of self-mastery. And self-mastery is the equipment that makes you formidable for any environment in life. You like it? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, well, man, um, I think... That this is a cool place to to give it to our viewers and let them know that um, when you feel pain, first understand what your pain is communicating to you. Because once you understand what your pain is communicating, it changes you. And then you can find where it's coming from and then don't let it define you and 
don't resort to drugs, don't resort to other coping mechanisms like alcohol. Run to your pain, run to your problems, run to your issues, fix them. And that goes for anything in life. If you have a problem, you have an issue, you have some type of emotional, mental, or physical pain, run to it, go fix it. And we wanna appreciate, we appreciate all of you guys. Um, it really helps us out um, if you guys subscribe like and comment on our posts um send people our way send us referrals we want to help more people we want to teach more people and that's what we're about so we truly are grateful and we appreciate all of you and we'll see you guys in 10 days we'll see you in 10 days